so another review that is long overdue i feel like first of all bars second of all i think that's what i should start calling these uh you know the long overdue review editions because this is you know it's no reason it took me this long man but you know i i, I feel as though things work out a lot better when i don't put a certain time stamp on certain things i just wanted to get this out like the moment that i saw the movie because i knew that it was um you know it, it was a big thing it was getting a lot of reception it did get some mixed reviews for the most part but the reviews i've been seeing um and the reviews i've been hearing are pretty positive for the most part man and that is just a testament to eli roth being a man of the genre man i wanted to get it out there for y'all early um I, I didn't want to drag it out but i just kept going over these notes man i kept going over these notes and i was really unsure of whether i had you know a proper outline for this review because i'm i'm going to keep it a beam with y'all man i while i expected eli roth to deliver a good slasher um, and we'll get to whether this is a good slasher in, in a little bit, but I I didn't expect him to have as many layers in this slasher movie as he did. Uh, surprisingly, there's more going on in this movie than I had anticipated. You know, I, I thought that Eli Roth, and it's not to downplay anything that was in the trailer, it's not to downplay Eli Roth as a writer or director, but I really thought that Eli Roth was just going to you know wham bam thank you ma'am there's a killer dressed like a pilgrim he's going to be slaughtering people all over the goddamn place and it's just going to be what it's going to be we're going to find out who the killer is and then boom that's it you know maybe we'll set it up for a sequel maybe we won't and there's there's a lot more going on here man and it's not to say that this is the you know excuse me like a super overly complicated story the twist isn't all complicated there's not a bunch of scooby-doo mystery red herring shit there is a lot of red herring things going on in here that's going to keep you guessing which is good because uh if if people are going to compare this movie to one thing they're going to compare it to a movie that actually isn't holiday themed at all they're going to compare it to scream as far as the whodunits i feel like any murder mystery where there's somebody in a small town with a mask on targeting people and you have a final girl who's got some type of backstory or some type of link to the killer or killers for that matter is there one is there two or is there three i don't know we'll get to that in a little bit too but scream is automatically going to be the movie to to beat or to be compared to is it fair is it unfair as far as comparisons go i just you know i i go back and forth man i go back and forth i feel like yeah scream as far as murder mysteries go the red herring whodunit type of slasher movies as far you know especially with um you know these 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 younger casting choices i do feel like scream has set a bar but also, I feel like Scream is six movies deep at this point, so we gotta find a new narrative to run with. I don't feel like every movie should be stacked up against Scream. I don't feel like every movie should be like, well, you know, if you would've taken notes from Scream, it would've turned out more like this. Like, I just feel like we should give everything a fair chance, um, unless that is, you know, that that is unless. I think I said that shit backwards, but that is unless you are you know, trying to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with something like Scream, and, you know, in interviews, just blatantly talking about, well, this what makes us better than Scream is, you know, da-da-da-da, like, I don't, Eli Roth hasn't been doing that, the writer has, the, you know, the co-writer has been doing that, none of the cast members, I don't think, have been doing that in their interviews, so I feel like they're, they are, you know, in the clear here, as far as, um, you know, just establishing themselves as an original, effective slasher movie, um, let's just cut to the chase, man, is this an original and effective slasher movie? I think so. Absolutely, man. Um, I'll get into like the expectations and everything. 
uh, that I had when I saw this trailer, but this was in the works, you know, since 2007, man. Grindhouse, you know, shout out to um, Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. I always say special things happen when great minds link up, you know, when great minds link up for collaborations, whether it be, you know, horror or, or, or action, whatever the case may be, man. I feel like when two insane creative minds get together for a collaborative effort on screen great things can happen man i've made these comparisons before obviously i just mentioned grindhouse eli roth quentin tarantino you know they did death proof and planet terror i'm more partial to death uh not death proof but planet terror death proof is definitely fire don't get me wrong that's an amazing film it's got amazing an amazing chase sequence uh with zoe bell on the hood of that car i love that movie i love that cast but y'all know me, I'm a zombie guy, man, so I'm automatically picking Robert Rodriguez and Planet Terror. Plus, the movie, uh, it, it just, it's just better. I'm sorry, it's just better. But that's neither here nor there. Another collaborative effort we can talk about, George A. Romero and Stephen King getting together for something like Creepshow. I think that's one of the greatest collaborative efforts ever. Hands down, probably the best one. You know, most recently, we got news that there's a Cape Fear TV series in the works, um, you know, by way of Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg. Personally, for me, you would think that just Steven Spielberg being attached to it by by himself, I would be all for it. Steven Spielberg is one of my, you know, directing idols uh, like ever. But I don't think that's going to work. You know, surprisingly, I do not think that's going to work. But it's a collaborative effort nonetheless, man. And, and I can definitely appreciate that. But, you know, Eli Roth, he wasn't he was a part of the grindhouse you know he was he was um he was in death proof at some point he was one of the guys that was drinking in the bar with uh with with uh city Poitier's daughter and um oh my god i can't remember the chick's name from cabin fever uh jordan ladd is her name he was in the bar drinking with those chicks but you know eli roth decided to do like this mock trailer for a holiday themed horror movie thanksgiving and honestly, I've been wanting that movie since 2007 when they came out with that shit because I was like, wait, is this real? Are they going to drop a solo film? Is this an extension of the Grindhouse movies? Is this going to be the third one? But no, nah, it was a trailer that Eli Roth did and it just came and went. It didn't really come and go, but it, it just existed. You know, it existed and everybody for the longest, man, up until 2023 was like, what is going on with this, man? Is he ever going to get to make the feature-length film? I'm pretty sure he was getting tons of emails. He doesn't answer mine, so I don't, like, it's like, no, I'm just, I don't think I emailed Eli Roth just yet. I'm going to tag him to this. Maybe I'll email him afterwards, but anyway, um, you know, he made that Thanksgiving trailer, and it was so fucking crazy and just off the wall. People wanted it, man. People were asking for it, and I felt like we hadn't really had a Thanksgiving holiday movie before. Obviously, we had Black Christmas to kind of jump things off. And what was that, like 73 or 74 that movie came out? Um, then we had Halloween, the greatest slasher movie of all time, the greatest holiday-themed horror movie of all time in 1978. And then, I mean, if you want to count Friday the 13th as a holiday, you can count that. You had My Bloody Valentine, and later on you had Valentine. You can kind of... You can't consider that a loose reboot, but there aren't many, you know, horror Valentine movies out there, at least that I know of. Then you had stuff like Prom Night, Uncle Sam. Holiday-themed horror was a thing, and they definitely jumped that shit off in the 80s um, after the success of things like Black Christmas and Halloween. It was just, you know, everybody was basically looking at their calendars. This is something uh, Anthony Tamponi said in... Um, you know the going to pieces the rise and fall of the slasher genre documentary man if you guys have not seen that documentary i definitely recommend you check that shit out if you are a slasher genre fan 
But, you know, it's, it's, that's exactly, not exactly, but that's along the lines of what he said. It's like, he said everybody was just basically, you know, looking at calendars. Oh, what holiday can we do? What holiday can we do? Um, I didn't, I don't think I mentioned April Fool's Day. April Fool's Day is another holiday-themed horror movie if you consider it to be that. Because there is a twist on it that you may or may not like. Some people actually hate it. Um, and, and Slaughter High is also an April Fool's Day, you know, themed horror movie. But, um, you know, the only person I feel like that was really tackling holiday hard now i could be wrong here but in the most recent years you know like the later the end of the 2000s era leading up into the 2010s i think the only person that was really doing it and i, I want to say consistently but i'm not sure how how far apart space that these two movies were he did but michael doherty man he gave us trick-or-treat you know i did commentary for trick-or-treat for spooky season if y'all want to check that out but he did trick-or-treat man and Trick or Treat is definitely one of the best Halloween themed horror movies ever made. One of the best anthology movies ever made. I think it's as great as I think it is. I think overall it's super underrated. And then after that, he decided to give us Krampus, which is a Christmas themed horror movie, man. And, you know, he's got a thing for these monsters and these ghouls, man. And I think Krampus is definitely underrated, too. It's one of the reasons why I definitely had to put it on my December list for commentary, man. But I don't know of anybody that was really you know, kicking out holiday themed horror like that, man. And like I said, we got that, um, we got that mock trailer in 2007. People wanted it, man. And, you know, I think people were already fans of Eli Roth's work, man. Like I said, Cabin Fever, Hostel, Hostel 2. Uh, I've never seen Inglorious Bastards, but I'm pretty sure that's got its little fan base. The Green Inferno. I just recently did that, uh, for this month's commentary, man. That was Green Inferno was such a fucked up movie, man. I want to know what Eli Roth was thinking. Um, you know, I basically said he was he was basically doing his horror movie version of Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. That's just fucked up. I've never seen Knock Knock. I think it's a Keanu Reeves movie. I've seen nothing but excuse me. I've seen nothing but bad reviews for that. Kind of makes me want to watch it even more just to see what all the fuss is about. He did Death Wish. I'm not the biggest fan of Death Wish. It wasn't a terrible movie. I just um. I thought there could have been a lot more to it, especially with Bruce Willis at the helm of that thing. Um, and then he did the house with the clock in its walls. And that is so hard for me to say, man. I, like, I'm telling y'all, that title, it sounds like a porno. And I've said this before, man. Every Y'all sit there and say the house with the clock in its walls five fucking times and tell me you don't slip up at some point. But I've never seen that movie. I, I want to... Is Jack Black in that movie? I'm not sure. It's some type of fantasy. Um, you know, I, I won't necessarily go as far as to say it's a it's straightforward children's film. I don't know. I would have to, you know, I would have to watch it. But I feel like the expectations for Thanksgiving when we found out Eli Roth was about to finally direct this movie, you know, a feature length film for the, for, for the trailer that he came out with. And we just got nothing after the fact. I feel like everybody was excited for it, man. I feel like everybody had their expectations through the roof and was like, yo, it better be as crazy as that, that short trailer or better be crazier. And, um, the trailer itself, man, I remember doing the trailer reaction for it. I was very impressed, man. I was, you know, I saw the teaser and they were like, yeah, here's a teaser, but the trailer will be out tomorrow or whatever it is. And, you know, they teased everybody with it as they should have, man. You want to get people gassed up for something like this. But I remember seeing that that trailer in its entirety, man. I was definitely impressed, man. I was like, OK, John Carver 
I'm, I'm here for it, man. Small town. I like the look of the small town. I like this, you know, this um, th- this tight knit group of characters that we got. I was a little concerned because I'm like, oh, my God, these kids are these kids going to be unlikable. Are they going to be likable? We got the jocks. We got the final girl. We got the jocks girlfriends. What are we going to do with these characters to make them different from the characters we've seen in in any other slasher movie for that matter? But I was overall excited when i saw the trailer man i i could not be happier that eli roth was finally getting to make his movie and finally getting the film in its entirety out to the fans out there and i gotta say man with all that good stuff being said it's time to say something here and i don't want to ruffle any feathers when i say this the movie itself um was fucking great man i'm not even gonna hold y'all i'm not gonna keep anybody on edge i love this movie man I will get to the rating at the end of this. Like I said, I, I do not plan on making this an hour long, uh, you know, conversation or not conversation because, obviously, you know what? It can be a conversation because it's me and my multiple personalities talking amongst each other here. So, yeah, it is a conversation. But I'm telling you, all man, this movie, if you're a fan of holiday themed horror films, like let me let me say this. and I'm pretty sure I will say this again. This movie it, it's got a little more going on than I expected um is there social commentary here yes yes there is uh is it overbearing no it's not and was i going into it trying to break down the social commentary and the hidden messages and the agendas of the studio and eli no i wasn't trying to do all of that shit i'm going into this movie i was going into this movie for a thanksgiving slasher movie directed and co-written by eli fucking roth man and that is exactly what i got and then some i don't care about the you know there's a lot of people that are talking about the you know well the message in this movie is this and the message could have been that i don't give a shit about any of that i feel like that's a bonus i don't think eli roth was setting out to make a movie this is what i'm going to say about pilgrims and black friday and the thanksgiving holiday and why we should really be thankful no i think he was doing what he always does yeah there may be a bit of a message in his movies but it's not he's not going to beat you over the head with it to the point where you can't even enjoy it especially with a slasher movie man nobody wants their slasher movie to be super socially aware and just be you know as you motherfuckers on social media say woke quote unquote i hate when people say woke and they don't know what the fuck it even means but i enjoyed the shit out of this movie man this the opening for this movie sets things off i did not expect the opening to be as crazy as it was but the moment that i saw this was going to take place on black friday i mean well it was they had black friday a little early you know they had black friday on thanksgiving in the opening of this movie and you do get introduced to the core group of the characters you get introduced to jessica wright and she plays um uh, or i'm sorry uh, the, the actress name is uh nell verlack and she plays jessica wright you get introduced to her boyfriend bobby played by Jalen thomas brooks you get introduced to evan gabby scuba yulia ryan you know um evan's played by um uh, uh, tom tomaso Sinelli. gabby's played by addison ray scuba the token black guy here who's not actually all that bad here i will get to one bad moment uh, that he had in this movie when it's time to get there and it's i, I hate to do that man because y'all know i'm rooting for the token black guy in any and every slasher movie we gotta survive we are an endangered species when we're in slasher movies man it's not 
that big of a trope because there are a lot of black guys who have survived horror movies not just slasher movies but horror movies in general and shout out to all of them i did a whole episode on that you know when we survived and when we didn't but you know this uh this actor who plays scuba gabriel davenport's in here and the actress that plays yulia her name's jenna warren ryan is played by milo manhunt so we get introduced to the main characters here of as uh, i mean as far as the young group goes now as far as the adult actors go the, i, I want to say as far as headlining here the most notable name we have as far as the adult actors here for me anyway is patrick dempsey patrick dempsey plays sheriff eric sheriff eric newland is it newton or is it newland um it's newland and uh you get rick hoffman who is um you know he's a eli roth familiar he's that guy in hostel who's got the gun and he's like should i have the gun i don't remember if he's got a gun or a scalpel in his hand or some shit but he's like i gotta i gotta fucking feel that shit man i gotta feel that shit he's that guy that's just way too excited about his job and what he's about to do that is just a, a, a horrendous fucking act to that girl i think he's the one that cuts that girl's uh he blow torches her eye out and that fuck that is just such a nasty moment man but um you know we get patrick dempsey rick hoffman let me just say patrick dempsey no stranger to the horror genre man he was um you know in scream 3 and his name is also making waves not just for uh his role in thanksgiving but Due to the fact that, uh, and you know, I don't want to harp on this too much because I don't want to make the focal point of, of the episode about Scream. Uh, Patrick Dempsey's name is making waves all over again as far as the Scream franchise because not only was he in Part 3, but his name, his character's name is mentioned in Scream 5. And they are trying to get Patrick Dempsey to come back with Nev Campbell, you know, ever since Jenna Ortega and um, Melissa Barrera are no longer part of the project. So we'll see what happens, man. Do, would I want it to happen? Uh, if it means Nev Campbell comes back, not really, but whatever. It's a different conversation for a different time. We got Karen Cliche, who plays the character of uh, Kathleen. Ty Olsen, who plays Mitch. Gina Gershon, who plays Amanda. And Gina Gershon, I don't, listen, I think she was the actress that was in Face Off. I think that was Caster Troy's girlfriend, uh, the mother of his child in Face Off. I don't know what it is about this chick, but she gives me MILF vibes super ultra milf vibes and i would just leave it at that you got amanda barker who plays lizzie and tim Dillon who plays manny so we basically we do get introduced to our characters in this opening but this opening man i listen let me tell you something right now without super explaining over explaining what happens in this opening there's a big black friday sale over at uh is it right mart or something like that it's the knockoff version of walmart that they have in the in the movie i guess they couldn't you know walmart was like you guys absolutely will not put a fucking uh a lower torso severed lower torso on our fucking logo no no way we'll sue y'all asses out the wazoo so they had to make their own version of walmart and obviously if it's an early black friday sale i don't know how many of you people that are listening are black friday shoppers i'm not one of them you know what's gonna happen people are gonna act a goddamn fool people are gonna trample over each other people are gonna act like they have no home training at all that's what's going on so you get introduced to these characters in the midst of this this store about to open up and one of the things that is really popping as far as what they want to grab out of the store that's on sale is uh are these fucking waffle irons and i i've never seen anybody in my life thank god this is just a movie that was this excited over fucking waffle irons man i just don't I don't understand it at all so long story short the kids get um you know they get into the store before anybody else because they got the plug you know they got the inside connect and all of that type of shit um and they get inside the store early they open up the doors long story short and everybody comes running in and when i say everybody comes running in this is this is one of the most disturbing black friday occurrences that i've seen on screen before because motherfuckers are getting killed in here you know they're not just getting trampled over and beating the shit out of each other for these waffle irons 
they're getting killed, man. There's a guy, the, the, the black guy, because why not, right? The black guy, you know, they're trying to get into this store to the point they break the glass. And the glass shard goes right through the black guy's neck. You know, somebody pushes him and that shit stabs him in his neck. So he's bleeding out while he's being trampled over. Ain't life grand, right? God bless America and all of that good shit. He's getting trampled over. There are people. There's a moment where the boyfriend. What is this guy's name? Uh, Bobby. Jalen Thomas Brooks's character, Bobby. He tries to go save Jessica at some point and he's reaching his hand out to save her. Somebody steps on his fucking hand and y'all or on his wrist. And y'all know how I am when bones crunch and limbs break and shit like that. And the way that they show it, his shit is just it's 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 broken. It's broken. You're never playing sports again. I think he's like a baseball pitcher or something like that. You can kiss that fucking career goodbye, sir. Now he does heal up at some point because his character disappears. Um, you know, after the incident. But then you've got Gina Gershon's character. She gets, fu- you know, I think she like, does she lose her glasses or something happens where she's like just tiptoeing on the, you know, like crawling along the ground. You know, like she's just this scared little church mouse. And this big shopping cart comes and smacks her in the fucking head. And she's still alive, but she's, you know, she's damn near on the verge of concussion at this point. So you've got the person that hit her with the shopping cart is one of the characters we're introduced to, the character of, um, of of lizzie and you know she's fighting with this person over this waffle iron and mind y'all gina gershon poor gina gershon man poor amanda she's still on the fucking floor of this store just clinging on to dear life man after being hit in the head with this shopping cart her hair and I don't know if this was Eli Roth, you know, doing because uh, Eli Roth, he didn't direct Piranha 3D and he didn't do the special effects for it. Uh, that was KMB. And I think Ali, Alejandre Aya directed Piranha 3D. But this was definitely reminiscent to that scene where that girl's hair gets caught in the in the boat, uh, the propeller. And, the, you know, when the boat takes off, that shit scalps her and pulls her whole fucking face off. It doesn't happen like that in this movie, but Gina Gershon's hair is caught in the shopping cart while these people, you know, the whole Black Friday thing's going on, and these two people in particular are fighting over this waffle iron. The shopping cart wheel just keeps turning, keeps turning, and rips a part of her, <laughs> rips a part of her fucking scalp off, man, and it the way that they tug at it. They tug at it, they tug at it, they tug at it, and then when that shit peels off and rips off her skull, I'm telling you, man, it is it is excruciating to watch. And that part right there, not just the, the glass shard in the neck from the employee, not the you know, the kid Bobby getting his wrist broken, getting stepped on, but that scalping moment, and she dies from her injuries, man. She dies. That scalping moment reminded me. Oh, Eli Roth. Okay, he's about to give us some fucked up gore in this movie man so the guy who plays mitch um you know that's his wife gina gershon's character amanda is his wife and she dies in the process of this black friday event and what stops it basically or what stops the scene patrick dempsey's like holy shit somebody got killed throughout the midst of all of this and he fires his gun at the ceiling and then boom we get the thanksgiving logo and i'm telling you man that opening sequence man is it, it that is social commentary in itself that's really all the social commentary i needed up until we get you know we do get a monologue from the killer at some point and we'll get to that sequence in a little bit but we get a monologue from the killer that kind of plays on social commentary and social media as a whole and i think that was definitely a nice touch without beating people over the head with it man i think eli roth handled it very tastefully and very well but you know we flash forward to what a year or so later a couple years ago um 
I think it's a year, roughly a year or something like that. So everybody has seemingly moved on, man. You get these townspeople, you got the kids, you got the sheriff, you know, you got the deputies and things like that. Everybody has seemingly just gone back to normal and Thanksgiving is approaching. And, we, you know, Rick Hoffman's character is like, yo, I'm not closing the store. I'm keeping the store open. He is a man who is just concerned about his brand. He's concerned about his money. He's he's not a one dimensional character, but that is his troop. You know, he's kind of basically Bryce Dallas Howard in Jurassic World, where it's just like, well, if we close down, we'll never open up again. We'll lose money. We'll lose sponsorships, all of this type of shit. He's that guy. He's only worried about, you know, the bright lights and the money and things like that, man. And it is fucked up for the character of um, for the character of Jessica, man, because that because that's her father. And, you know, she lost her mother. She's still grieving her mother. And, you know, there are little hints of that throughout the throughout the movie. And that's, you know, whether you buy it or not and and whether that makes her more of a sympathetic character for you is definitely up to you i didn't really i'm sorry like the fact that she lost her mother there's a moment where she kisses a little locket and she's like good night mom i'm sorry that shit was pretty non-existent for me it really was man because she's got such a she's got such a non-existent relationship with her father that it it made the relationship that she had with her mother even more non-existent man like yeah it's sad that she lost her mom and it kind of adds to her character and why she is the way she is but, you know, I, I just didn't care about it at the end of the day. But speaking of Jessica and her friends, you know, we get a scene where all the kids are in the diner and, um, you know, they start getting tagged in these in these Instagram posts by a John Carver account. The, the account has no followers, no nothing. He's not following anybody. But they all start getting tagged to these posts. The first post that they get tagged to is a Thanksgiving table. You know, everything's set at the table. Their names are at the table. And they're kind of just writing it off at first. Like, who the fuck is this? This can't be a real person. They don't have any followers, this, that, and the other. So they just brush it off and things like that. And it isn't until shit starts happening that the characters really start to be, you know, like, oh my god, we're in danger. And as far as these characters go, I'm not necessarily going to call them, uh, you know, like tropes. I'm not going to call them caricatures. But there's not too much to them to where they are these complex characters that you can 100% root for. Me, by law, by slasher movie law, I am rooting for Jessica as the final girl. By law, by race law, I'm rooting for the token black guy. I'm rooting for Scuba. Everybody else, um, you know, they're not bad. I like the character of Bobby and he was uh, he was an obvious red herring because he disappears and Bobby's nowhere to be found when all of the shit starts hitting the fan. But then he pops up like, hey, you know, he tries to get back. He does basically what Axel does in My Bloody Valentine. And he pops back up after leaving for a certain amount of time and he tries to get back with this girl. But she's already got a boyfriend. You know, Jessica ends up getting with the, you know, the dickhead boy. Uh, what the fuck is this dude's name? Is, is his name uh, um, Ryan? She ends up getting with a. Uh, Milo Mannheim's character, Ryan. Ryan's the guy who's got a shit ton of money. My daddy works for this guy. And, you know, I'm the Ivy League guy. And that's who she goes for, you know, because Bobby went ghost. And she says that at some point, you know, you ghosted me. And, you know, she moved on. And he didn't know that she would. He probably figured she would move on. But he didn't think she would move on with somebody like Ryan. Ryan's a fucking prick in this movie. And I was hoping Bobby was going to beat that ass at some point, man. But the characters, you know, and then you get, um, you know, Scuba's girlfriend, Yulia, who's got the Russian dad. And um, Evan. Evan is the super jock. Evan's like, oh, my God, people are getting murdered on Thanksgiving. How are we going to play football, man? I just want to play football and football. And there's one point where they cancel the fucking game because there are all these deaths happening and shit like that. There are all these deaths happening in town, 
And Evan is just such a jock, man. You know, Scuba even tells him, like, where the fuck are you going, man? They're shutting everything down. He's like, I'm going to go play football, man. They canceled our game. And he's like, how the fuck are you going to play football with one person? He's like, well, watch me, man, because I'm a football player. Like, Evan, oh, my God. I wanted Evan to be more than just a meathead jock. But that is exactly what the fuck he is, man. And it's not to say he doesn't have some funny moments. Like, he is he is the quintessential jock so much so that he's got the nerdy kid writing his fucking book reports for him in school. And it's so fucking hilarious, man. There is, let me say something about the writing here. The writing is not... It's not the best writing in a, for a slasher movie, but that's not really what I was going in here for, man. But there are some... Like, I don't... I know that they were supposed to be funny... I just don't know if I was supposed to laugh that hard at these moments, man. There's a moment where um, where Evan, you know, he tells the nerdy kid, he's like, step into my office, man. You got that report for me? And the kid's like, he gives him a report. He's like, yeah, man, I got it all typed up for you. And he's like, yo, the teacher, she better buy this shit, man. It's better work. And he's like, listen, it, it wouldn't have been any better if she wrote it herself, man. I got you. And he's like, yeah, I'll spot you the money, you know, next week. And he's like, yo, you said that last month. I don't know why, but I found that part to be funny as fuck because he had no intentions on paying this kid for his services. But he is that jock. Yeah, write my reports for me so I could pass this class. Funny thing about that scene, when he reads the report in front of the class, it's from the fucking teacher's own blog that she did write herself. So the kid set him up. And I thought that was I thought that was one of the saltiest, funniest moments. One of the funnier moments in the movie, man. Um, so the, the writing, like some of the humor does land in here, man, as it does in Eli Roth's movies. I think that one of the funniest Eli Roth movies that he's ever done is Cabin Fever. Hostel's got funny moments, but I feel like the, the funny moments in Hostel for me are the unintentional moments. Um, more so that guy who's, uh, you know, that, who's that guy in Hostel? I can't remember that actor's name, but he's the guy that's at the front desk and he's like, relax, man, you're on vacation. I don't know. I, I don't know. They ticked out this morning. That guy is funny as fuck. Am I the only person that finds him funny? probably i don't know um the directing here let me say something about the directing really quickly i don't want to get into you know um scorsese driven direction and shit like that i don't want to do that we're already about to be a half hour into this um this is a much faster paced film for eli roth uh i think cabin fever it's not necessarily a slow burn film but they do give you time to latch on to the characters they give you time to uh spend time with the characters inside and outside of that cabin that they're in and they give you time at the end of the movie a lot of time to spend with um with Ryder Strong's character because he you know he ultimately is the sole survivor I won't spoil anything but he does you know that he does pop up in Cabin Fever 2 at some point if you haven't seen part 2 check that out but um Hostel Hostel is a bit slower than Cabin Fever for me as far as Eli Roth's horror movies go but this one man I'm telling you it the way that it opens with the Black Friday shit is very fast-paced is very frantic as a Black Friday madness scene should be but when John Carver is on screen um it it is very it, like it's very tense you know there are cat and mouse moments with this killer um He's very limber. He's very wild when he's swinging that axe and when he's going at like some of his kills are really cool. I'll get to the kills and I'll get to the kills right after this, actually. But, you know, this directing, I, I did not expect, you know, when when the chase sequences are happening, I'm like, oh, shit, like this dude is not he's running. He's hauling ass. He he walks, you know, John Carver takes a lot of liberties with his movements, man, you know, and one of the things that is pure genius. This is a testament to the pure genius of Eli Roth. He had different actors play John Carver in every sequence he's in. This is what Eli Roth said in an interview. I'm going to repeat this for everybody. 
Because I don't think this is, I don't know how often this is done. I do know that John Carpenter had different people, play, you know, put on the Michael Myers outfit in the original. But John Carver, Eli Roth had different actors play him every time because he said he didn't want the audience trying to decipher who the killer was. He didn't want the audience to be like, oh, the way John Carver turns his head, that's how that person turns his head. That's the killer. Or the way John Carver swings an axe, that's how that person swings a baseball bat. That's the killer. He didn't want people to catch on to the nuances of of, uh, of other characters and try to decipher who the killer was too early, man. And I think that is so amazing that he did that man that's not you know i'm not going to say it's, it's it's uncommon to do i'm just going to say it was really clever to do for this movie in particular man and the way that he explains it you guys could ch i can't remember which interview it was i'm sorry but you guys definitely check the interview out where he explains it he explains it a hell of a lot better than i just did because obviously he fucking wrote and directed it right but you know the the acting here the acting is not bad i feel like the strongest parts of the acting belong to patrick dempsey Patrick Dempsey, um, you know, he is the OG here. And obviously Gina Gershon is an OG here. Also, Rick Hoffman is too. And so is um, the actor who plays uh, uh, Mitch Collins. But I think Patrick Dempsey's been around so long and he's just, he's been in more movies where people recognize him and his name. Uh, and that's not to take away anything from any of the other actors or actresses that was in this movie. But, you know, once I found out that they had Patrick Dempsey on board with this movie, I was like, oh. I was like, he's getting some top billing shit here, and I, I can appreciate that. So Patrick Dempsey, for me, you know, he's a very laid-back sheriff. He's like, yeah, can you tell us anything? And, um, you know, how was the head severed? You know, was the stump still intact, or was it? Like, he's just very laid-back about the shit, but he's got his moments where he's, you know, he's doing some really good acting in this film, man. And he does it all without being over the top. Uh, even at a specific point in the movie that I'll get to in a little bit. Rick Hoffman does a good job in this movie. I think Rick Hoffman pulled back a lot in this film. Um, you know, he pulled back in this film. And I, one of the acting moments of his that I love is when, you know, his semi-bitchy wife is kind of trying to call the shots. First of all, his daughter, you know, Jessica doesn't get along with the wife, um, played by Karen Cliche. And she lets it be known that she does not like this woman at all. And she lets her dad know it too. But there's a moment where she tries to kind of establish dominance here. And Rick Hoffman's character kind of has to step in. And he's like, look, I'm not opening the store. And that's final. Like, I've already made my decision. And she kind of just, like, straightens up her act. And she realizes, yeah, you are not in charge. He wears the pants here. That is Rick motherfucking Hoffman. So he does a good job here. Him and Patrick Dempsey. Um, and also, if I got to shout somebody out for performances here without being over the top, uh, what is this actor's name? Joe Delphin as McCarty. He is the go-to guy. He's the guy you go to for the parties. He's the guy you go to for the information. He's the guy you go to for the guns. And there is a point in this movie where Scuba and Jessica go to his party for guns. And he's pulling out all these guns. He pulls out a fucking Desert Eagle. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you use these to hunt zombies in the apocalypse and all this other shit. He's got an arsenal out the ass. And I love the moment where Scuba's looking at all these big ass guns he tries to give him. And Scuba's like, do you have any human sized guns, man? Like, this is this is ridiculous. And I love that he tells the kids when they're leaving, you know, don't get killed out there. Like, he's, he's genuine, but he's also an asshole at the end of the day. He's like, don't get killed out there. I need you guys to stay alive long enough to return my guns back to me. But he does look out for the kids. He tells them, you know, good luck. And he gives Jessica at some point for the parade sequence, he gives her a ring, which ends up being a nice little plot device later on in the movie. He gives her a ring and he's like, you know, my dad gave it to me for good luck. He says it got him out of a fucked up situation. So he does care about these characters, man, even for him to come off as a bit of a douchey character um as far as as far as um like the bad performances man i you know 
there aren't performances here that are particularly terrible, but I gotta say, man, and it, it pains me to say this shit. Gabriel Davenport as Scuba, I, I'm rooting for him as the token black guy, man, whether he's a jock or not. I, but there is a moment of acting that he gives out that is one of the bad moments of acting in the movie. And it's fucked up for me to say this because I'm rooting for the character not only, but it's followed. That moment of acting is followed by one of the best, by the best kill in the entire fucking movie. And I'm like, this kill made me cringe. It made me flinch. I was like, oh, shit. And then he delivers these two lines after the fact. And I'm just like, why? I understand completely what they were going for. I understand completely. I will get to what they were going for in a little bit. I'm about to get into these kills, people, because I know the kills are very important to a slasher movie. But that moment that he gave, I'm, it's like I understand the reaction, but the line delivery, I was like, fuck, I, oh, why? Why did we have to do that? Could I have done it better myself? I don't know. I'm not an actor, so maybe I shouldn't judge. But let's get it. You know, the kills, you know, I said he had a, a bad acting moment after, you know, um, one of the one of the be the best kill in the movie man i gotta get to the kills here the kills if you are going into this movie for the kills people i do not and i repeat i do not think you motherfuckers will be disappointed at all because eli roth reminded everybody like yeah i'm doing a thanksgiving themed horror movie but remember who the hell i is you know remember who i is and remember what i do when it comes to this violence man you know cabin fever is one thing excuse me you know cabin fever introduced people to um some really nasty icky sticky icky gore hostile introduced people to visceral violence you know i'm not even talking gore at this point i'm talking violence you know say it with me if you can people violence like i'm telling you that that moment with Derek richardson when he stands up to walk out of that room and his achilles split in half that when I was like that that's when I was like, okay, Eli Roth, yeah, oh yep, you got it. You got it. Whatever, whatever you do, I'm curious about because that is a moment in my life where I I've never seen a bit of violence like that. I've never reacted like that. And I, you know, that is a tough act to follow when it comes to somebody getting their Achilles, Achilles tendon sliced, man. It is it is oof. But as far as the the kills here, the kills are cool as hell, man. I'm telling you, the kills are so cool in this movie, man. Like I said, you get the glass shard in the neck, the guy in the beginning. Uh, you know, I won't just talk about the kills. I'll just talk about the violence and the kills in general because the glass shard didn't necessarily... Uh, maybe it did kill that guy or did the trampoline kill him? I don't know. We'll have to go on like Wikipedia or some shit or go on like morgue. What is it? Rogue morgue or some shit. I don't know. Whatever. But, you know, the glass shard to the neck. Vicious. The broken wrist. Vicious. The scalping. Oh, my God. That's oh Jesus Christ. That scalping, man. Somebody is cut in half by way of car and by way of dumpster. Uh, I don't know if that's making sense to anybody right now. But that that actress, um, you know, she plays the chick who, uh, oh, my God, what's her name? Lizzie. She works at the diner, but she was the chick who was one of the two people who was responsible for Gina Gershon's character getting killed in that opening sequence. But she's closing up the diner. And we see it in the trailer, so it's no surprise. Now, I thought it was going to play out exactly how it played out in the trailer. You know, he dunks he dunks her face into the, um, you know, you know how the restaurants have the sinks, wash, rinse, sanitize type of thing. God, I got PTSD from those fucking sinks. I hate them. I hate them, especially when they used to overflow. But I'm not even going to talk about those war stories. You know, he dunks her head in there just to, to, to wet it up, obviously. Then he slams her fucking face against the walk-in freezer. 
and and her shit just gets stuck. Her fingertips get stuck to it. Her face gets stuck to it. He grabs the axe, but by the time he swings the axe at her, she's gone. You know, she peels her face and her fingertips off that shit. So it's a, a slight bit of cat and mouse going on. But the thing, my problem with her, I don't know how bad she wanted to live because she is not running fast enough. She goes to her car. John Carver's already in the car. So she's running. You know, he's he's got the headlights on. He's driving after her. She runs and she tries to flip over headfirst into the dumpster. He pop, He drives into the fucking dumpster and is slammed shut on her. I'm telling you, when it's slammed shut on her and the impact alone, it cuts her in half. It cuts her in half and he puts the top of her, the lower half of her torso on top of the right, I want to say the store is called Right Mart. If I'm saying the wrong name for their fake Walmart, my apologies, but he puts it on the fucking store logo and the, you know, Patrick Dempsey and them see it and he's like, yeah, we got to get that down from there. Like her intestines are all hanging out and shit. It's vicious, man. She gets a vicious death scene, man. Um, you know, she gets cut in half. The guy, Manny, you know, who was one of the employees at the store on, you know, the day of the, the, the Black Friday massacre or whatever the hell you want to call it. He's in his crib. His death sequence is pretty like it's not stupid. It's cool. But his character makes such a stupid ass decision. You know, he's ready to skip town. He's like, yo, I'm getting the fuck up out of here. And he sees a John Carver mask on his couch. So he's like tiptoeing around the crib. He grabs a bat, which is the right thing to do. He grabs a weapon. But he's like, yo, man, I'm security, motherfucker. I beat people up every day. So he's inching his way towards the kitchen. His cat is on the kitchen counter. And he's talking to his cat, whispering. He's like, hey, hey, buddy, where's he at? Where's the killer at, huh? Where's he at? And then the cat kind of looks over to the right or some shit like that. And he's like, oh, he's over to the right. He's over to the right. And the next thing you know, he's inching his way over. And an electric carver goes digging into his stomach. First of all, the electric carver going into the stomach is is brutal enough but it's a cat it's not a fucking dog to where they can tell you you know timmy's stuck in the well or somebody's at the front door or some you know somebody's trying to break into the house it's a cat so the fact that he made the stupid ass decision to follow the cat's lead and be like oh that's where he's at you tilted your head to the right so the, the killer must be to the right you deserved it at this point so he puts the electric carver in his stomach and then when he's inching his way over to the door there's a pov shot of you know it's that pov shot of will will he make it will he make it and there are a few moments like that in the movie where Eli Roth plays with the audience and makes us think that these people may make it out of these situations. I knew his character was, it was very early on, so I knew his character was not going to make it out. So what John Carver does, he takes this wire and he wraps it around his neck and he pulls it in a way that cuts his fucking head off. Clean off, man. It's a cool decapitation sequence. Y'all know if I love anything in horror movies, y'all know I love me a good decapitation sequence, man. Because uh, who doesn't love a little head, right? And what the thing is, the, the thing that adds insult to injury, he cuts his head off, he puts this shit in a duffel bag, and he's on his way out the door, he turns around and sees the cat just staring at him next to an empty bowl. And John Carver looks at the cat, and I'm thinking what a lot of people were probably thinking in the theater, he's going to kill that fucking cat. But no, nah, they cut to the cat eating its food, and John Carver like just quickly petting the cat on the head and then just going about his merry way he feeds the cat man so john carver's got a heart after all man um i feel like he's got enough body parts so that his own heart can be intact at this point but that was a nice little moment of of you know of dark humor right there he, he cuts the guy's head off and feeds the cat but um you know there is a there's a nasty uh you know neck snapping in this movie this guy gets his head spun completely around you know and and do I dare say rightfully so? Because this motherfucker is a creep, man. This guy, the guy that gets his head spun around in the gym, he is the gym teacher of the high school and he's dating a cheerleader. 
Yeah, because that's not creepy at all. If there's one thing that's creepier than John Carver and the shit that's going on in this movie is that creepy motherfucker right there who works at the school and is fucking a cheerleader. And they dip off at some point. And this is actually borrowed from that Eli Roth trailer that he did in Thanksgiving because they dip off and she, you know, she calls him out of the gym session and she leads him into the, the um, you know, the actual gym, the auditorium. And she's like, I want you to just sit here and relax and watch me. And she's jumping on the trampoline, flashing her ass at him. And he's like, oh, yeah, baby, I love it. Or whatever the fuck he says. John Carver comes and twists his head all the way around, all the way around. And he's just he's just there. So I don't know how John Carver in time manages to slide under this big ass trampoline that this girl is jumping on. But he sticks the knife up under from up under the trampoline and her fucking oh my god the heel of her foot falls down on it man i'm telling you it gave me vibes of when you know paris hilton is being attacked in house of wax and he's sticking up through the through the gate that she or the grate that she's walking on top of and it fucking stabs her in her in the heel of her foot but when it stabs her in the heel of her foot she screams and she falls down and then he stabs her in the stomach boom we think she's dead right now she pops up at some point later on and she's still like clinging on to dear life so you get the trampoline um stabbing you get something else that is borrowed from um you know that's borrowed from the thanksgiving trailer the 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 original trailer where somebody at that that town parade gets beheaded that's that scene is insane because that's when we realize john carver is way more badass than anybody expected him to be because he puts on a whole different outfit cuts the person's head off and he's throwing smoke grenades all over the place he's got a you know a tranquilizer dart gun to you know to rile people up and get them you know saddled up at the table but he cuts that guy's head off um and uh listen somebody gets cooked alive in this movie and while i wanted that scene to uh i said in the trailer reaction i said that you know in the trailer we see karen cliche's character kathleen she you know she's being prepared to be cooked you know he's glazing her and sprinkling salt around her and putting vegetables around her putting little garnishes over it's a really sick and twisted fucking scene man but she's I thought that it was going to be the Helen Shivers I Know What You Did Last Summer moment where it is a long, drawn-out chase sequence and she might get away. But she's tiptoeing all throughout this abandoned house, you know, hiding from John Carver. It is a really tense and great um, cat-and-mouse sequence. But she finds the trampoline girl dead in the refrigerator. Uh, She's Well, she's not dead, but she's dying. So she dies in the refrigerator. And, you know, Kathleen ends up getting her ass caught because when she makes it out of the fucking house, John Carver throws a pitchfork dead in her back and drags her ass right back inside, man. It is such a messed up sequence, man. Such a messed up sequence. But she does get cooked, man. And you see her roasting and then, you know, the little thing. I don't, you know, as much as much Thanksgiving food as I eat, you would think I would know what that shit is that they stick in the turkey and then it pops up when the turkey's done. Um, that's what happens, you know, and that's how the scene ends. Again, another dark humored scene where that thing pops up while she's being cooked alive. That is a that is definitely a it's a tough scene to watch, man, because it reminded me of Final Destination Three where those girls are getting um you know, where those girls are getting, you know, cooked alive in those fucking tannin beds. Jesus, man. Um, you know, you get um Jesus, man, Yulia, Scuba's girlfriend. She gets the moment that made me cringe, man, because John Carver, you know, it's in the trailer where he stabs her in the ears with the corn holders. There's something about that scene that pissed me the fuck off. Now, her dad, John Carver, you know, let me give John Carver credit. He is probably one of the most consistent as far as his weaponry goes. He's one of the most consistent killers we've seen since Dr. Giggles. He's going to kill you with everything that's on the Thanksgiving table, like they said in the trailer. But this was an out-of-character moment for John Carver, man, because when he walks up in Yulia's crib, you know, her dad's the big Russian, he's got somebody helping him or do some shit, uh, there's a cop there, you know, for protecting 
you know, pr- protective purposes. But John Carver's shooting these motherfuckers with a silencer on his gun. Like, come on, man. That was it was like you could have killed them with anything. But I understand he didn't want to, you know, ruin the kill for Yulia. So he shoots the dad and the cop with the silencer. And Yulia's on FaceTime with Scuba and Jessica. And, you know, she's cleaning out her ears. So, you know, it's coming. He sticks the corn holders in her ears. And they do that thing that they did in Friday the 13th, 2009, where the girl gets where, where Chelsea gets hit by the boat, where it sounds clouded. You hear the ringing. So you as an audience member, you feel like you've been stabbed in the ears also and you can't hear. But this is what pisses me off about her death scene or about her moment where she gets stabbed in the ears and she takes the corn holders out. He stabs you in the ears. He didn't stab you in the fucking spine. He didn't stab you in the legs. She's crawling along the hallway like, no, please don't kill me. No. And I'm just like, he's just slowly taking his motherfucking time. And I'm like, yo, like for real, like you can't get up and walk. It's your ears. Now, I've never been stabbed in the ears before. Closest I've come to it is like. I got a piece of cotton from a Q-tip stuck in my ear and somebody had to get, you know, tweezers to get the shit out. I almost had a heart attack. I'm not gonna lie. But she's crawling along the ground like she can't walk. And all of a sudden, when John Carver has her at knife point, you know, standing behind her when Scuba and Jessica comes in, her legs work just fucking fine to stand up and be a damsel in distress. And when Scuba comes in with the gun and Jessica comes in, you know, alongside him, they don't know what to do. And it's one of those situations where I want to be frustrated, but I can't because they don't have a clear shot of John Carver. And he's got the phone in his hand showing them, not only do I have your girlfriend at at, at knife point, but I also have all of your friends and Jessica's dad at this table. He's showing them a video like, look, you shoot me if you want to, you'll never find him. So he runs off, but he pushes uh, Yulia onto this wood saw after he turns it on and she falls on. First of all, her hands go, her fingers go across the wood saw first. They go across the wood saw first. And then the rest of her body follows. It's bad enough that her fingers get sliced off because that's when I flinch. I'm like, oh, shit. Like, her fucking fingers are gone. She lost her digits. And then she falls over top of it like a complete klutz. Now, I'm not, you know, never had my fingers sawed off either. So I don't know how I'm going to react to it. But she falls on top of it. And her her insides are just getting all fucked up. Scuba and Jessica don't know what to do. Scuba runs over. And he... You can't say he gets her in the nick of time because by the time he gets her off of that wood saw, her fucking intestines are spilling out of her stomach, man. And he just he just, you know, lowers her to the ground and sits down on the floor next to her. And this is the acting moment I'm talking about because he's like, Jess, what what do I do? What do I do, Jess? And I understand. I understand what they were going for. This man is just in shock because he saw his girlfriend just get sawed apart to hamburger meat. And I understand he's in he, he's in shock. He doesn't know what to do. He, he doesn't know how to react, but I, the way that line was delivered, I just was like, "Are do you even give a fuck that your girlfriend was just killed or were, did you have plans to break up with her before graduation? I couldn't tell, man, but that is the best death sequence in the movie, man, where Jessica gets hacked the fuck up with that wood saw. Um, you do get, uh, also, you get uh, poor, 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 what's, what, is the, uh, what is that guy's name? The fucking jock, what is his name? Uh, Evan. Poor Evan, man, gets his head bashed in at the dinner table scene, man. Let me talk about this dinner table scene for a second because it was pretty disturbing. And I feel like as much as I did not want to go an hour into this, we are 50 fucking minutes into this, people. This uh, this this dinner table scene, man, Um, you know, John Carver, he, he he's he's got everybody. Actually, the you know what? I'm fucking up here, people. I, I'm just out of chronological order completely. Julia's death scene happens prior to the thanksgiving day parade so at the parade when john carver hits everybody with the tranquilizer darts everybody wakes up 
You know, everybody wakes up at this table, and it kind of reminds me, you know, I'm giving a lot of slasher movie references here. It reminds me of Happy her, Happy Birthday to me. I've never seen it, but I had that part spoiled, this particular part spoiled for me when I watched the rise and fall of the slasher film uh, documentary. There's a scene where the girl wakes up, um, the girl that's being framed for the murders wakes up, and all her dead friends are at the table. That's kind of basically what they do here. John Carver has everybody tied and taped up, and, um... You know, he's he's got a Thanksgiving feast ready. You know, he's got Scuba there. He's got Jessica there. He's got, um, goddamn, he's got Scuba there. He's got Jessica there. He's got Rick Hoffman's character there. He's got uh, Gabby there. And he's got uh, Evan. He's got everybody there. And he's got, you know, the girl that was the trampoline girl, he's got her dead body there. And, he, you know, this is when he gives his monologue. This is when he's like, you guys were so worried about Black Friday and so worried about keeping this store open. You didn't give a fuck about who was, you know, who was hurting the process. You know, you guys, you know, he, he singles out Evan. He's like, yo, you were the one that recorded the video of everybody being trampled and, and all this other shit going on. You want to break the Internet, right? So, excuse me, he's like, you are going to be the one to break the Internet. He grabs that fucking meat tenderizer and Walking Dead Negan style bashes his shit in at the dinner table bashes his shit in and takes a little i don't know if it's just blood or is a little bit of brain matter he puts in like a little cup or something like that but he, he also sticks that girl in her neck and, and you know her blood the, the the trampoline girl her dead body he sticks her in her neck with a uh, you know with a, a, a corkscrew and has the blood pour into a fucking um you know a wine glass it is it is probably the hardest scene to watch in uh in, in the entire movie man because you don't know Who's going to get murdered at this table, especially after Evan gets his whole fucking brains bashed in? You don't know who's going to die next. You don't know who he's going to torture. And honestly, for me, while he's giving this whole dialogue or this monologue about, you know, I want to go around the table to everybody. And he's live streaming this shit, by the way. He does. John Carver is vicious, man. He don't care. He does not care. He's live streaming the whole event at the table. But he's at like a, a location they can't particularly pinpoint as far as the cops go. So... You know, he's live streaming and he's like, I'm, I'm going to go around the table. I want everybody to tell me what they're thankful for. It is a really fucked up, dark sequence. And what makes matters worse, can't have Thanksgiving without the turkey, right? So poor Kathleen, man, he cooked her. It happened. He pulls the, the cloth off of the meal and it is Kathleen. Her head has been cut off, but it is her body. And I, I'm telling y'all, man, I can endure a lot of gore and a lot of violence but there's something about when John Carver starts literally carving into her leg. I'm thinking to myself, this is, you know, I'm trying to dupe myself into thinking this is this, he's cutting turkey. No, he's cutting into her leg. You see her fully formed fucking body headless on the table cooked and he's cutting into her leg like it's a turkey. And and when he does it, I'm, I'm telling myself, I'm like, it's. Is she going to bleed like but she's not going to bleed because she's well done, but she shouldn't be well done because she's she's a person. He's cutting into a person's leg. So he cuts into her leg and then you see the inside of it. Jesus, man, the inside of it. You can tell it's not it's not animal meat. It's human meat, man. It, it's disgusting how they do that effect. And he puts that piece of leg that he god damn that he just cut off in front of Thomas Rick Hoffman's character. And at this point, I'm like, oh, I said, oh, no, y'all aren't about to do that. Y'all aren't about to make this man a cannibal. And he's like, I always said your wife would make a great dinner. And I meant that literally or whatever he's whatever the punchline is, he says. And he's like, you've always loved your wife. Now you're going to get to see how good she tastes. And he's like, if you don't eat your wife right now, 
I'm going to kill you. And lucky for, um, you know, Jessica and Scuba, there's that ring that uh, McCarty gave her for good luck, at, you know, before she went out to the parade. There's a blade on the ring. So she starts cutting the rope and cutting the rope, and then she secretly hands it off to Scuba like a bright hand should. I like the dynamic, the relationship between uh, Scuba and Jessica, man, because they didn't leave each other hanging. So he, she passes it off to him quietly, and he's cutting through the rope, too. So before Rick Hoffman gets a chance to even eat, you know, uh, his, oh, God, to even eat his wife's, you know, fucking meat, leg, flesh part. Oh, God, it's so disgusting, yo. Scuba does what, you know, I want to say what any black character would do in this moment. Um, no, he does not run and leave everybody at the table. He runs right at John Carver. He's right at John Carver's throat, man. Um, it's not a great fight sequence, but the moment that Scuba got up out that chair and wanted to fight John Carver off and let Jessica get away, uh, mind you, everybody else that's still alive at the table gabby and thomas you know thomas is like yo run run he's telling his daughter and the kid uh, and uh, and scuba to run which is a, a good moment for him because he gave a fuck about them and those those little small moments count for me but i you know scuba's going toe-to-toe with with john carver and in my mind i'm like yep this is it he's about to die john carver swings the axe at scuba's arm he gives off a really realistic reaction and john carver runs off i'm thinking he's going to kill him completely but he runs off after he wounds him and he runs after jessica and jessica you know she hops over the gate and she gets away just in time um you know she gets caught on the gate but she gets away just in time now this is the thing here's the thing for me man when Jessica gets away, I'm like, okay, we are into our third act sequence. Jessica comes upon a dead body outside of a cop car. That dead body is Patrick Dempsey. And I'm like, fuck, like who, who killed him? Like, when did he die? He's got like this wound on his head. And I'm just like, okay, this is either one or two things. And I'm, I swear to y'all right now, I'm just going to come out and say it. Cause I want to wrap this shit up. When I saw Patrick Dempsey's dead body and she takes his gun, there's a couple of things. Not just one or two things. There's a couple of things I thought. I said, okay, that motherfucker's not dead. I'm not ruling out corpses, man. Scream 3, another Patrick Dempsey reference, taught me to not rule corpses out. When I saw Roman's body in that coffin in Scream 3, I said, he's not dead. We've seen everybody in this movie die on screen. Everybody. And we just up and see Roman's dead, already dead body in here. I said, I'm not buying it. I think he's the killer. So when I saw Patrick Dempsey dead on the ground, quote unquote, and she took his gun. I said, that motherfucker's not dead. And if he's not dead, he's the killer. If not, he's going to pop back up and get killed by the killer. And also, there's probably no bullets in that gun. So she goes into this. Um, she goes into the factory. She sees, um, you know, Bobby, who's kind of been MIA. They've been doing the whole red herring thing throughout the movie where Bobby's Bobby thinks Ryan's the killer. Ryan thinks Bobby's a piece of shit and this, that, and the other. They've been going back and forth about that. But she sees Bobby with the John Carver outfit on and the mask, and she doesn't say anything. So the sheriff pops up, and she's like, yeah, Bobby's in there. He's the killer. He's the killer. So you hear the gunshots go off. You don't see anything. So we assume Bobby's been killed by the sheriff, right? Wrong, because we don't see anything. You know, everybody shows up, the ambulance and the, and the, and the rest of the deputies show up. So it's just the sheriff and jessica at this point and he's like you know what you're a brave girl and this that another i'll take you home so he's leaving out and he throws something in the trash can and he misses the trash can so he goes to pick it up it's a piece of paper so he goes to pick it up and jessica looks down at his feet and at his pants and she sees like dirt smudges on there mud and all this other shit and she looks at him and he's he's looking at her you know he gives her that look you know that what i didn't do anything but i you know i i knew it i knew it i knew 
what was going on. I'm telling y'all, I knew Patrick. I called it. I called it, man. I tried to give it the benefit of the doubt, but when he's like, yeah, I'll take you home. I'm the last one here, and it's just me and you. He's the fucking killer. I knew it. Because I'm like, Bobby is not the killer. We didn't even see him get killed. And if he did get killed, the sheriff killed him, and he's going to tell her how he framed him and all this other shit. So lo and behold, you know, he tells her, if you would have just hung on to that fence a couple more seconds longer, I could have killed you. And she realizes that Patrick Dempsey's character, the sheriff, is the fucking killer. Now, I did try to give this the benefit of the doubt because I did the same thing with Scream 3. When he pops up at um, at um, Lance Henriksen's mansion after everybody's been slaughtered and he's like, Tyson's dead. Everybody's gone. What's going on, Sydney? I'm here to help you. Don't I look not suspicious at all? And then the moment Sydney puts the gun down... There's that shot of Patrick Dempsey's character staring at her like he's satisfied because he's about to kill her. But Ghostface pops up out of nowhere and then he has a fight with Ghostface. We've realized he's not the killer. I thought it was going to be a moment like that. But then I said, nah, like we've we've seen that done before. Eli Roth's not going to do that. He may have a bunch of horror movie references in there, but he's not going to do that. Turns out, because I'm about to wrap this shit up, people, very, really quickly. Turns out Patrick Dempsey is the killer. He has been John Carver all this time. His motive he was having an affair with Gina Gershon's character. Um, and what had happened was, you know, obviously she gets killed in that Black Friday, uh, you know, massacre thing. That, that uh, you know, the madness of Black Friday over at the right mark. She gets killed in the process. So they do a flashback sequence of how he, re that reaction shot of him and him firing the gun into the air. But, you know, she was going to, he says to Jessica when he's telling the motive, he's like, yeah, she was going to leave her husband. You know, she was going to leave, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Mitch, uh, played by Ty Olsen. She's like, yeah, she was going to leave Mitch and be with me. And there is a little nod to that in the beginning where he pops up at Mitch and, um, Mitch and Hurst's crib for, for dinner. And she's like, oh, you can, you know, Sheriff, you can cook and do this. Uh, you know, you're going to make another woman very happy one day or something she says to him. And, you know, it makes more sense when they go, when they do the whole flashback sequence. It's like, oh, they were fucking around. Cause you don't really take it as, you know, weird in the beginning. But when they, you know, when he's revealing everything and the motive, you do see that they were having an affair in secret. And not only were they having an affair, this made matters worse. And this was, this is when I was like, okay, I don't sympathize with this guy turning into a serial killer, but I can understand how this can drive somebody over the edge in, in any type of way. Not only was he having an affair with Gina Gershon's character, she was pregnant with his child, man. And you see on this little bulletin board that he has with her pictures and all of this shit, there's a picture of an ultrasound. And he's like, you know, you took my family away from me. And when I saw that ultrasound, I'm like, oh, fuck. Like she was she was pregnant with his child and he lost her and his child, you know, and, and it's fucked up because they were having an affair. Infidelity. We understand but the fact that there was a child on the way, I said, oh, my God, man, this nigga, he's insane. He's insane. That drove him over the fucking edge. So he explains that whole thing. He explains how he's going to frame this and frame that. We get our third act sequence. Our third act chase sequence is not anything great. And he does say the tagline in the actual movie. He's like, there will be no leftovers. And I got to say, while it's not a super great, you know, intense third act chase sequence when he's revealed as the killer patrick dempsey doesn't really take his foot off the gas uh he's believable as the killer he's not over the top you know if i if i make another comparison to scream here and i hate to do so but when a lot of the killers in scream get revealed they they just 
do a complete 360 like and i'm crazy like they you know maybe they were covering up i mean it's all part of the act you have to act normal and not have anybody allude to the fact that you are the killer but patrick dempsey does it in such a believable way he's not over the top he's not a comic book character he's not cartoonish in any sense of the word man he's very he becomes very intimidating in the moments of him stalking them throughout this um you know throughout this sequence so you know you get the revealed explanation bobby to the rescue bobby is trying to save um you know, Jessica, and kudos to Bobby, because he just could have easily been like, well, you know, you left me, I ghosted you, but you moved on with this prick, Ryan, you know, fuck you, I ain't got nothing to do with this, I'm not saving you, I wasn't even involved in this, I was a victim, you know, he said he blamed her for what happened to him at the Black Friday event, but, you know, basically, long story short, they, they fill up this um, this this big ass turkey, this inflatable turkey. They fill it up with some gas and they're in the truck and the truck gets hung up on like a wire or something that Patrick Dempsey ties it to so they can't get away. So what they do is they shoot the big ass turkey and they blow it up and Patrick Dempsey explodes with the factory while they drive away. Then you get the morning after scuba's alive. The dad's alive. Gabby's alive. You know, um, what's weird about the ending you think, like, in true slasher movie fashion, that Jessica and Bobby are going to get back together. You know, they, they just went through this traumatic experience together. They are the final girl and the final guy of this movie. They don't get back together. You know, Bobby gets in the back of the fucking, um, he gets in the back of the ambulance and he rides off into the sunset. And Ryan comes back over to, 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 to Jessica and he's like, oh, baby, I thought I lost you. And they are a couple all over again. And I guess that's, a, that's good on Eli Roth for for breaking that trope like oh well we're gonna make things right and give love a second chance and all of that bullshit no she gets back with the prick character ryan so scuba pops up and she's like i thought you guys were still at the hospital and scuba's like well technically we still are and then we get the rest of the officers and the fire department coming out like no you know there's no trace of anything or anybody nothing could have survived that explosion and jessica rightfully so she's looking at um you know, all the firefighters with the with the costume, not the costumes, but the outfits on and the, and the helmets on. And she's looking at them rightfully so, because she's probably thinking to herself, is he dead or is he not dead? So then we flash forward to her and, um, you know, Ryan in bed together. It kind of reminded me of I still know what you did last summer when Ray and Julie just up and decided to live together at that point. And you see you see, um, you know, the I think the closet door is open or something like that. This is why I should have saw this shit again. But the closet door or something like that is open and then Patrick Dempsey pops out on fire and grabs her and she wakes up. It's a dream sequence. It's a jump scare sequence. I think the moment you see he's on fire, you should have known that it was a dream sequence and it wasn't real. But, you know, she's she sees the closet door again when she wakes up and then that's it. That's the end of the movie. Now, I did not stick around, excuse me, for a, a post credit sequence. But if there was, uh, actually, I don't think there's a post credit sequence. Matter of fact, there is none. Because I remember reading an article, it was like, should you stick around for Thanksgiving? And it's like, no, you should not, because there ain't one. That's basically what the person said, and they, I guess they wanted people to get the fuck out the theater at the time. But, I, you know, all in all, man, to wrap this up, I, you know, I kept, I just told y'all I did not want to spend a goddamn hour on this movie, but it was so much to fucking talk about. I don't know how to control myself, people. I don't know how to do these five, ten minute reviews like yous do. But, I, you know, all in all... I enjoyed the shit out of this movie, man. I'm giving this movie an 8 out of 10. I gave it an 8 out of 10, you know, the day I saw it. And um, my, my rating hasn't changed. You know, I think what keeps it from a 10 is probably some of the character decisions. You know, Yulia, her decision, um, you know, to crawl on the ground like she was, you know, like, I, I, it just bothered the hell out of me. Manny's decision to take advice from the cat. 
you know, um, the, the, the waitress's decision at the diner to not run as fast as she should have or to hide in a fucking dumpster when you're being chased by a moving car. Some of the characters' decisions, this decision Sean Connery is in the building, people. Some of the character decisions were stupid. And we know we got to have we, we can't have a slasher movie without, you know, characters doing stupid things. Very rarely do we have a slasher movie where everybody does the right thing. You have to throw some type of tropes in there sooner or later. I mean, all while, you know, he throws tropes in there all while breaking some new ground. man. And I definitely appreciate that about Eli Roth. Like I said, the the gripes are small. Uh, there's some dumb character moments here. There's um, some bad line delivery here. Not too much, but some bad line delivery here. And I knew who the fucking killer was. I, I knew who it was, man. I guessed it. I guessed it. And I was right. But other than that, everything else sales, man. There are some really funny moments in here. The Thanksgiving holiday theme is in full effect here. There is a... Um, I won't say so much as atmosphere here. I will say a, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I'll say the vibes are there. You know, it's kind of like when you watch a Halloween movie, you want to see pumpkins, you want to see leaves, you want to see a certain color scheme to it. Um, and that's exactly what this movie has, man. It is a very, very, very strong sense of authenticity that this movie has that I appreciate. And, um, it's definitely established Eli Roth as a holiday horror film guy. You know, I, do I want to see him do another one of these? Hell fucking yeah. I want a Thanksgiving part two. Absolutely, man. Cause it's open ended, completely open ended for, um, you know, for, for a sequel. Um, and, and you know, he gave us some really good kills and I feel like this, you know, the reveal, like I said, it wasn't a lot of complications to the story, to the characters or to the killer reveal. And I appreciate that, man, because the, the movie still stands strong and tall without doing all of that shit man as simplistic as this movie can be i think that it works well that way it works at its best uh with the simplicity man i feel like had you would have you know complicated things anymore with the story and the, the characters and backstories and things of that nature maybe for a sequel we can dig deeper into these characters and into the thanksgiving holiday and into uh patrick dempsey if he if he wants to return i'd rather him return for this than another screen movie honestly to, to be completely honest because it's something fresh it's something new and it's something that i feel like he can latch on to and establish himself as you know a, a slasher icon because whether we like it or not you know while this was a whodunit the fact that patrick dempsey's character got away John Carver is a slasher movie icon at this point, man. And what the fuck, man? Who's to say he won't be all burned up? You know, I, I want to see him with the John Carver outfit on again. We love our, you know, serial killers to have a distinctive look throughout these movies. But I want him unmasked at some point in the sequel, man. And I really hope Eli Roth gets a chance to, um, to, to, to make a sequel, man. It took a hell of a long time to get this off the ground. And I'm glad that he did. So I hope it doesn't take another fucking 27,000 years to get uh, another Thanksgiving off the ground, man, because I enjoyed this. Is it up there with the holiday themed horror classics like Black Christmas, Halloween, um, you know, My Bloody Valentine and all of that type of stuff? I would think so. I think so. I just think that the laughs are played up a bit more than said other films. Uh but that works in his favor. You know, one of the things I love about Eli Roth is that while he can make a horror movie, he can put you in some horrific situations as a viewer. I love that Eli Roth is not afraid to make you laugh in the process. He is not afraid to be goofy. He's not afraid to put uh, some humor in there, whether it's light, whether it's dark. Um, you know, he's not afraid to carve up people in his films, whether the meat is light or dark. But yeah, man, it is a straight up eight out of ten. I've already taken up an hour and ten minutes of y'all time. 
But people, I definitely recommend, if you have not seen this movie, I'm pretty sure it'll be streaming like next month at some point. I know it's cleaning up at the box office, rightfully so. I am so glad that this movie did well at the box office. Um, I'm so glad that the positive reception of this movie is, uh, is, is definitely outweighing the negative. I haven't seen too much um, negative about this, man. There's some out there and there's some mixed reviews, but I think that the positivity that people are spreading about this movie definitely uh it 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 trumps over everything man and i i definitely love that because my reception for this movie is definitely positive um you know it's it's not a lot of bad here uh and i think it's a very 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 strong eight out of ten to say the least man one of the best horror movies of 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 2023 man and it couldn't come out at a better time because i'm not sure what other horror movies are coming out for the remainder of this month i mean it's only a couple days left in november but i'm not sure what other horror movies are coming out for december but i do know this was definitely uh if we don't get anything that lives up to this this was a great way to cap off 2023 man with a horror movie like this man that plays up on the laughs and it gives you it gives you horror gives you humor there's a there's a very great balance of everything going on that Eli Roth is throwing at us, man. And again, you know, I remember posting this a while ago and I'll say it again, just to, uh, you know, just to elaborate on it again, Eli Roth is definitely going to go down as one of those guys, man. He's going to go down as one of the greatest horror, uh, horror creators of all time. man. I, you know, whether he's got some, some misfires in his career, I don't think that matters when you are responsible for cabin fever two hostile movies and now thanksgiving which is a holiday horror themed classic in my opinion a modern classic it will go down as a modern classic uh, when you think of thanksgiving horror movies there's not going to be many of them out there um to to really fuck with this one until proven otherwise you know maybe somebody out there will watch this and maybe that's a movie in itself you know if somebody watches eli roth's thanksgiving and they just get so pissed off it's like fuck this man i'm gonna make my own fucking movie and just slaughter people on thanksgiving and i'm gonna film it you know i'm gonna put a, a gopro in my in my mask and just film it the whole time and just upload it i don't know i i feel like i just gave somebody out there the wrong idea so let me shut the hell up man i've already been talking y'all heads off man y'all already know where to go man and if y'all don't y'all can follow the podcast on spotify itunes google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, overcast pocket cast breaker radio public Podbean, and podcast addict shout out spotify for podcasters follow me on facebook instagram and tiktok romero tutor shout out to the facebook movie group the cinemaniacs and last but certainly not least shout out to the tutor reviewers the listeners the lovers the supporters out there still getting down to the home stretch man um there's only what what is friday the first of december if i'm not mistaken i just know friday marks the start of december's commentary either way but yeah, man, we're getting down to the home stretch. There was there was a lot of commentaries I didn't get a chance to get to, but if there was one thing that I am proud that I got out this month, it is this. It is this. Uh, this is the one that took me so 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 long to do, man. I wanted to. I, I had my notes ready uh, when I saw this, after I saw this, and it took me this fucking long, man. You know what? I feel like there shouldn't be any complaints. You know, I took Eli Roth took longer to make the damn movie than it took me to get the review off the ground. So if y'all going to blame somebody, blame him. All right. But no, in all seriousness, shout out to Eli Roth, man. I'm going to tag him to this episode if he is allowed to be tagged on Instagram. I, I need to get this guy on the show, man. I need to get this guy on the show and I need to understand why. Um, why would you co-sign uh, Cabin Fever remake? Why would you do that? I, I know he didn't direct it, but he co-signed on it. I don't know if he co-signed on Hostel 3, but don't please, please don't do that for for fans like me that appreciate your work. Uh, you know, Hostel 3 was not good. 
I don't know who did that. Was it was it the Spirit Brothers or something like that? I don't remember. Doesn't even matter because one and two exist. Three, would I recommend it? No. Would I recommend the Cabin Fever remake? No. Same bit of dialogue. I'm telling y'all, it is like almost verbatim the same dialogue from the first movie. I don't know how that works. I feel like the people that hate the Gus Von Sant Psycho remake, shot for shot for shot, as people say, which it is, um, go and watch the Cabin Fever remake. I think it was either 2015 or 2016 that shit came out. And tell me how you feel about the Psycho remake. Because I'd rather have shot for shot recreated as opposed to line for line spewed out from terrible actors and i'll just leave it at that people but y'all already know the love and support y'all show me i show it back to y'all tenfold and then some so with that being said people yours truly romero tutor another episode to the reviews in the can i'll check y'all on the next